everybody. You know what it is. It's off stage, coming into your podcast of choice. <laughs> I'm Marty McClanagan, and it's great to be with you for another episode. As always, I'm joined, as always. As always. And every time. And that's right. I am Greg Finkner. I am the teaching pastor at Fellowship Church and on the Middlebrook campus in Knoxville, Tennessee. And we are glad you are joining us. Go Vols. Go Vols. <laughs> Talk about faith. Um <laughs> Hot take there. People are triggered already. I know. Uh, by the time this episode actually launches, who knows where we'll be, but go Vols for life. Okay, Greg, today's episode is about the church, uh, ecclesiology, right. Right. Uh, which is kind of the study of the church. And, and Greg and I have not really done a kind of a deeper dive into the church and right. the marks of it. I mean, we use the word so much, you know, ecclesia in the Greek, we can talk about that, what it what it originally meant, what it right. kind of means in common parlance now, right. our, our colloquial way that we use church. Uh, but also coming off of, especially for those at Fellowship, is we um, have recently done a vision series, and one of the hallmarks of that is that uh, Jesus, the gospel, he invites to be part of a new family called sure. the church, primarily sure. relating to each other's to each other as brother and sister in the household of God, right? which comes straight out of the New Testament. Right. So we're not here making up uh, something that's not in Scripture, but it, <laughs> uh, we're, we're saying, of course, you know, your your nuclear family matters. Of course right, it does. Right. But really to the degree it reflects the family of God. Yeah. And yeah. the church, you know, it has taken on many, many forms, which is good, uh, but certainly it... Uh, and even I said, and I preached the new family message, uh, you know, over a month ago, and it came off the heels of a new person message. Jesus makes you a new person. He invites you part of a new family. And, you know, I said in that message, I said, hey, it's kind of, there's a lot, of, especially in Knoxville still, there's a lot of yes and amen to yeah. come to Jesus. Leave your water jugs at the well and just give your life to him. Okay, right. yes. It's a little different invitation. Mm-hmm. Hey, come be part of the church. Right, right. And that's kind of what Greg and I wanted to talk about is is theologically what when we say church what what is the church and what is actually not the church is right. the church everyone someone is who's a Christian is it just the gathering of the body right um, how to separate that um, you know classic church is not a building it's a people well it is but is there something to the permanence of a place where sure. you gather together sure so some theological questions and then a lot of and what does it mean to be the church? What does right. it mean to be the family of Jesus and how do we do that? So Greg, as we think about that, um, there's a lot there. What might be a helpful way to begin to dive into the waters? Sure. Of what is the church and how to think about it? Sure. Absolutely. So the way to think about the church is to think of the story of the Bible, right? So Adam and Eve kick us off. Great kickoff. Great kickoff, Adam and Eve. Thank you for that. Uh, that was a good, good job, guys. Really gave us a head start. And then uh, through the Bible, then you have Noah. Uh, in his family uh, that lead to the Tower of Babel, which is the spread of all people. And then God chooses a man to make into a family who becomes his chosen nation. And so what you see through the Old Testament is God working through these families, right? David's families, Solomon's family. And almost every one of the stories in the Bible takes place in the context of a family. Moses and Aaron are family. And so there's this picture of God's moving the story along to get to Israel. Israel becomes his people, but they're all cousins. I mean, that's yeah. that's yeah. that's kind of true. Yeah. They're all very related because they all came from Abraham. They yeah. all came from the 12 brothers and all this kind of stuff of, of Israel. 
And the church is meant to be the new Israel. I don't mean that in replacement theology. I mean it as in Paul literally called it the Israel of God. Yeah. Because Israel proper, the nation, didn't include Gentiles. And the church does. And uh, in Galatians, uh, Paul says what God actually wanted all along was this fullness of his family. Expression, yeah. This is one of my favorite little Bible things. Um, if Israel is the chosen nation of God, right, and they're all a family, well, the 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 Jewish uh, people who have become believers in Christ and are the fulfillment of nationalized Israel, um, the Gentiles are under the apostle Paul who called himself one unnaturally born. Mm-hmm. Well, the Gentiles are the people unnaturally born into Israel Mm -hmm. um, in a spiritual sense. So the word church in the New Testament is ecclesia, the ecclesia, which is where we get ecclesiology. And it just means the called out ones. It means the people that God has called out of the world to be his people. That's the fundamental root. Yeah. What is the church? When you say what is the church, the church is the body of believers who have been saved by God through their faith from Abraham, Moses, you know, Hebrews goes down and says, how did all these, these people do all this thing? They did yeah. it by faith. Faith is what God has always used to justify people. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in, in the first sense, the church is the people that God has called out of the world to be the people of his possession. He called them out of the world uh, by their faith in a promise he made them in some sense. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what the promise is. If they put their faith into his promise that they didn't have yet, he counted it as righteousness. Mm-hmm. And they are the church universal. That's what it's called, the church universal. Yeah. It means that Noah, Moses, King David, John the Apostle, and the Chinese pastor who is – uh, under persecution, preaching the word, you yeah. know, yeah. and on RD and I, well, RD, but, um, <laughs> and, and, yes. and everything. So then you have the church building, which is not the church universal. Yep. And you have the people who come to that church, some of whom are church universal and some of whom are not. So it gets really messy Hey-o. when you use the word church. It does. And especially in, you know, uh, I mean, our context, at least American, uh, where, you know, going to church, uh, is just a common, a common phrase, uh, that people, people say, and, you know, in, in, in some sense, yeah, that is, you're going to the gathering of the church right. more accurate. That'd be right. a help, but you know, don't feel like you have to start correcting, you know, your kids, I'm sorry, we're going to the gathering. I mean, if you want to, that actually may be helpful, but right. that's not go crazy here, but that would be the way to phrase what actually is happening. We're going right. to the gathering of the body, right? Paul talks about don't neglect gathering together in the right. church. They gathered in homes together. They did not have buildings. Of course they didn't have, uh, you know, revamped Walmarts that became these churches. You know, nothing sure. wrong with that. Sure. And, but, so, but there was a place to gather. Right. So I want to push back a bit on what's, what some of the emergent, you know, conversation was back in the day right. of the church, uh, you know, gathering is not actually important. It's just right. you are the church wherever you are as a person no. individually. No, that's not true. No. 
um, you're a Christian, you're yeah. part of the kingdom wherever you are. The kingdom is all encompassing. Right. But there's a uniqueness and marks of the gathered church, right. uh, of the people that are marked of God's own possession who are doing life as brothers and sisters right. uh, together, which is good. Yeah, you are part of the universal church wherever you are. Yeah, that's right. But the way we use the word church. Yeah, that's the way, what I mean. Yeah, that, that's a different thing. Yeah, and that's you're a dead different on, thing. And dead so on. just some clarif- clarification there, kind of a pushback on, on, uh, on that. If you come to faith in Christ, you, you're part of the universal church, the global church, the eternal church, right? Uh, and will be, you know, for uh, forever. And it's it's the way that God has, um, if you want to say, built it, rigged it, made it. I mean, it's who He is. He's a community of persons in the Trinity. Uh, and so, for Adam to reflect God's image, he has to have Eve. He cannot just do it only exclusively by himself, right? right? Uh, and so that's built in, as you said, Greg, and said in your message, the first part of our new vision series. Uh, just walk through that, I think, so well with this is built in, not just a ch- like the church didn't just appear. Here's a new idea God has to right. find a way to take back the world through homes. Right. That Nope. It is who God is. <laughs> and it's written into Genesis chapter one. Right. Where God says, it's not good for you to be alone. Right. You need someone to reflect my image in you, not just marriage, though that's essential piece. Sure. But marriage is not eternal. The church is. So right. there's this brother and sisterliness to it that we go to church each week in this sense of gathering together um, as as the family of God. But there's, you know, honestly, Greg, there, how we structured, of course, is worship singing. You know, there's a sermon. There may be announcements. Right. When you look at the New Testament, you know, there's only a few actually, there are markers of it. Sure. Right. There's breaking of bread. There, sure. There's taking communion together. There, there's uh, maybe they're prophecies. So there's some, obviously, way mm-hmm. the word is taught and expounded on. Right. These are very important things. Right. But it can look very differently. It can. You know, and it, it should can. look differently. Every church has its own liturgy. Uh, but as long as there's some central markers there, right. I think the word has to be central. Communion should be a part of it. Um, the sacrament of baptism and communion that we sure. subscribe to. So there are ways that church should look you know, Greg, for it to actually be yeah. the church of Jesus. Right. Absolutely. You know, um, people always kind of wonder where did uh, the modern, where did church get its model? Well, it's from Jewish synagogues. Yes. When the, the temple was destroyed by, uh, you know, Nebuchadnezzar and all these kind of guys. And many times, yeah. Yeah. There's just so many dudes who conquered Jerusalem. <laughs> there and, are. And um, did all kinds of things. And they had a small temple. Well, you know, the synagogue replaced the temple. And nowadays you'll hear temple and synagogue as being kind of the same yeah. thing. But that's not how it was. Yeah. There was the temple in Jerusalem. And multiple. And synagogues yes. were where people taught. So what did you do in the synagogues? Well, you actually see Jesus going into towns and on Saturdays, which is the Sabbath. And if you thought the Sabbath was Sunday, you you just go back and start on offstage episode three. What? Skip the bachelor ones and get into never skip those. <laughs> that is who we are. That is who we are. But you would see Jesus going, and he would read the scripture, and they would talk about the scripture, and he would teach about it. Yep. And then we found out, oh, they sang songs, and they would pray, yep. give offerings, they would ask for help, they would do all these things together, and that became the model for the early church. Yep. Uh, most of Paul's letters, especially the Corinthians, are about. How do you do a church together? Let's yeah. have communion. Don't sit the rich people in the front. Yep. But then churches took different paths yep. on what they would emphasize. Catholicism emphasized the communion. And, you know, we, we can do an episode on Catholicism and Protestantism at some point. 
the Reformation brought Reformation. the teaching of the Bible back to the centerpiece of the service, not the communion. Yeah. Um, and on and on and yeah. on and on. Yeah, yeah. So when you look at modern churches and you're going, maybe we should totally deconstruct this. I get what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying. There are everything should be examined. Sure. But there are elements that go back to Jesus himself and what yes. he engaged in. Yes. You know, the preaching and teaching of the word, yeah. uh, the singing songs, praying. Um, these things don't they they belong in there somewhere. Yes. They go back to the beginning. Yeah. They're not just you know, injected into even a post-Reformation type thing. That was a recovery of the centrality of the pulpit and the right. preaching of the word, right. which is such a good thing. Uh, but there need to be other elements as well beyond the preaching of the word, you know, in a service. You know, there should be praying. There should be, I mean, there can be laying on of hands. Uh, you know, there can be just saying, hey, we're going to take the elements together. Uh, th- there are praying for the sick. I mean, there are pieces right. of it that it should, it should look like. Right. And so there is... Uh, the gathering of the body, which, um, you know, we is more precious to us now than maybe it has been in most of our lifetimes because of COVID-19, sure. where we went for a, a chunk of a season there not gathering together. Uh, and even some people have still yet to gather, you know, and around the world there are places where people still are not gathering. Sure. And to see how precious it is. But early on, you know, if you read through Acts and First and Corinthians, you know, you do see, you know, some of just how are we trying to do this together? What does right. it mean to be the people of God? Uh, and not just individual Christians. Right. Not, not, I mean, God, if God wanted it to be that way, he could. He could just say, I'm going to save you. And then nothing else really changes in your relational dynamics. Right. Uh, you just are going to live your own life and glorify me through X, Y, or Z, but it doesn't matter horizontally. Right, right. And I know there are many people who would say that would have been a better option. That would have been the dream. I would have loved just personal salvation, but relationship type of you know help, not so much. And there are days as a pastor I can say, yeah. <laughs> That would be simpler. Every time we record. Yeah, that's what every time. Yeah, you know, I probably wouldn't have a job at that point, <laughs> but at the same time, I could have another job. Right. Uh, but God knows that the way that we grow to become more like Him um, is to apply the ways that we're learning about who God is with people, right? With other people, right? And that is the hardest work, and it is why there's there are multiple. There weren't just two letters. There are multiple letters to the Corinthians. Uh, because there are a lot of issues with that. Right. There's a lot of challenges, you know, with, right. um, with that. We just have two that were on record. Uh, Paul wrote no, no doubt numerous letters that we don't have right. to just remind churches, to I- exhort churches, to sure. correct churches, to sure. say this is right, this is wrong, because there is a way that it should look. Yeah. But at the bottom level, at the heart level, it's this sense of there is a there's 59 one another commands in the New Testament love one another, honor one another, serve one another, you know, pray for one another, think the best of, of one another, you assume uh, one another. I think it is so clearly God's heart to have a the church be the means through which we experience the realities of who God is right. uh, amongst each other. Sure. And I know that, and I said it in my message, I know that what comes with that, though, because it's fallen, the church is broken. Yes. And it was since day one, and right. Jesus knew that, and he's still washed her, sanctified her, Ephesians 5. But Greg, I think that we both know you've been in ministry a little bit longer than I have and so seen it more, but it doesn't take you many months or years to see that churches hurt people. Yes. Um, And churches hurt pastors. Yes, very Uh, much so. So it needs to go, it goes both ways. Uh, But that's a piece of it. And that can be one of the 
more challenging way, say, what does it look like to be a part of a community of people where there's going to be sometimes built in pain yeah. and built in betrayal and brokenness and sinfulness? Uh, and so as, as we think about that truth, Greg, of, of it's not just, just because you're part of the church doesn't mean that it's perfect and every other part of your life is broken. No, the church is filled with broken people too, who are becoming made in right. the image of, remade in the image of Christ. But that can be a huge stumbling block for people is in genuine ways say, I, me and Jesus is all I can do right, right now. I can't be a part of a community of people where I've experienced X, Y, or Z. Right. There is the church sheltered my abuser hurt people. Yes. And there's, I thought we were supposed to go to this group of people in missions and they said the other place hurt people. Yep. That is so true. But I think the average listener will be shocked to see you get the same energy from both people. Yeah. Um, which is the truth. You do. We start with the glory of God and the church is the manifestation of the glory of God. So when, when, when we're talking about why would God call all these people together that hurt each other? Well, to increase his glory, to increase his glory from sin being called out, yeah. from forgiveness being instituted from us, as Paul says, making up what is lacking in Christ's sacrifice, which is almost blasphemy. Yeah. And you've heard me say that a bunch. Yeah. But it basically means that person sinned. I have to hurt myself to go forgive them. Yes. And Jesus is going, yes, it's not cool, is it? <laughs> so just remember that one. That is exactly what Jesus said. The Aramaic, you probably didn't pick up on that. That's but. right. Eli, Eli is like, what, how do you like this? Yeah. <laughs> this is uncool. But um, it's so true, though. It is. It is. And... Um, I, you know, it's, it's exactly what you're saying, R.D. There, um, there's stuff in the Bible about church polity that people will never read. And we should get into actual church polity in a second. But We should. Um, like if I told you that there's a verse in the Bible that says, Paul says, there must be arguments in the church yeah. so the approved people will rise. You'd go, there's no way. Yep. And we're both here going, yes, there is exactly that verse in Corinthians. Read the Bible. Yeah, it so there's a way in which our living together will show who God approves of and which way the church is supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Um, That's good. But there, you're right. There are abusers. There are toxic guys. You know, we did a, a podcast about Mark Driscoll and some of the things that went went so totally wrong there, and some yeah. of them because of him. And and yeah. you know, churches, yeah. pastors fall and leadership falls. Um, mm. But I'll give you some of the ins. Let's go to the inside tea for a second, right? The let's, indoor tea. Here we go. Um, there's a trope among pastors that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Uh, and it's a trope because it's true. Uh, the vast majority of churches, not just mega churches are largely uninvolved in the life, the life of the church. There is a very small percentage of people who actually make churches work. I don't want to go so far as saying it's not fair to say that's who the actual Christians in the church are. Um, because there are lots of people who, you know, they are giving all their time and energy to Campus Crusade or or to Young Life or anything like that. And, you know, uh, every church, every pastor has the story of this one person they would love to get to come work in their church, but they're involved somewhere else. And they're like, oh, I wish he would come, you know, um, or she would come. And that's a whole nother story. I'm not dogging those organizations yep, yep. at all. So it's not fair to go. The 20 yep. percent of the people who actually make the church run their Christians because there's could be another 20% they're doing stuff out. But I will tell you this, it's not far off. Yeah, it's not. 
And I know people are going, wait a minute, these people come to church every week and you're saying they're not Christians. I'm saying a lot of them aren't. Yeah. I think they're putting on religious airs. I think, and it's not all, I want to be clear, but it's a lot. Yes. Um, and mm. it's also interesting that some of them are the ones who cause the most trouble in churches. Yes. It's Jesus and the wheat and the chaff parable. Yeah. Somebody planted wheat and then somebody came in the night and planted weeds. Yeah. And the weeds are growing up among the wheat. And they said, should we cut down the whole field? And the master yeah. says, no, let them all grow and we'll sort them out on judgment day. Because I can assure you, there are lots of troubles in churches. And I'm, I, trust me, we're going to do an episode about what it's like to be a pastor and talk about bad pastors that we've had to work on. Not necessarily on this staff, because I don't want anybody to think that's names, but I, it, I, there's not a pastor who can't tell you a story about it. I was on staff with a guy who did nothing and was divisive and just, it was awful. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that's what I mean. But your your pastor knows. He knows who the people are who are involved. He knows who's not. Yep. And a large part of the hurt that comes from churches comes from the percentage of people who don't attend, who don't, you know, they're not in, and they just cause us so much trouble yes. that the pastor has to deal with that he doesn't get to actually deal with she, or she doesn't actually get to deal with the 20% of the people who are involved. And I yeah. know this is sounding crazy, but I promise you it's true. Yeah. Um, because the church is supposed to be a place of communality. Yeah. You know, when we talked about spiritual gifts and we talked about they're, they're meant to be used with each other. Yeah. They're meant to be used in community. Yes. They're meant to be, it was been our missional podcast. They're meant to be where the church comes together and encourages and yeah. and deals with these things. Yeah. And yeah. that's what the church is. The body of people who gather together to worship, to love each other, to encourage each other, to rebuke each other, to call sin out in each other. Yes. Some of the sweetest times in the Lord mm-hmm. in my life has been when an elder yeah. came to me after a sermon and sat down and showed me a mistake I'd made, which was massive. Yeah. And I and the way he did it. I left there going, Jesus, I love you so much um, because yeah. of his whole, because his That's spirit so was pouring through. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that you can't get that unless you are in community with other people. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we do live in a, I mean, it would be unheard of for Paul or Paul would just could not imagine the consumer type Christian. No, he could no. not imagine it. He'd be no. like, I'm, I'm confused. What, why are you here? Right. And I think that's even part of our, you know, in the preaching of the gospel, though, Greg, is is on a level we've we've really it's the gospel of the kingdom. So yeah. it, it brings you to faith in Christ. And then it immediately, Ephesians 2, turns you into a worker servant for right. Christ. Right. And if you only are holding up and we're both reformed and yeah. and want to hold up the sovereignty of God, God saves you. Right. But a deficit sometimes in reformed preaching has been. On the backside is just a passivity right. in discipleship. You know, well, because God is sovereign, He saves you, and then it's like, all right, yes, He does. And then, how do I live this out? Well, that's where actually, so well, God is still sovereign in the church, and the way that your salvation is worked out with fear and trembling is through other people. Right. And so, we want to hold both those things up, exactly. and and say you can do that. And the church is a means of your sanctification, and we all know it. Everyone knows it, right? Uh, and you're not going to grow to the level that Christ wants you to if you're just consuming. If you're coming and hearing teaching and not engaged, and there are different levels of engagement as you have different seasons of life. Okay, so hear, hear me say there there should be there's going to be different margin, but Absolutely. everyone can create margin 
and should look to serving in the church in some way. In right? some way. Uh, as a greeter, uh, serving communion in kids, you know, ministry, that is not like lesser than other places. Right. Uh, now, that doesn't need to be the only way we define serving in the kingdom is right. at the local gathering of the church. Right. Uh, that can be too narrow. Say, well, right. no, your job does matter. The nations do matter. Right. Uh, your neighborhood does matter. So hear me say that. Yeah. But I think sometimes it's gone so far. It's like, well, greeting at your church is not what we're talking about. Right. Well, it is what I'm talking about. It is. It we, is. We, we have, and I'll just, well, we'll do it. We'll go there, Greg. Yeah. The level of people that are serving in fellowship who actually attend here is not right. Yeah. We have so few people that are serving compared to who attend here on a Sunday. Yeah. It is insane to me. Yeah. And it would be insane to Paul. Right. And it's not right. And so if you're at fellowship and or any church you're at, I, a question to ask you is to say, in what way are you serving the body you are a part of? Right. Right. And to do that, as I said, with the wisdom, if you've got three young kids at home or four young kids at home, that looks different, okay? You, yeah, totally. You can totally. maybe greet one Sunday a month, and that's all you can do for a while. That's uh, not what we're talking you know, about. Exactly. That's not what, so hear me say, but if you are, hey, I've been at, at not just fellowship, so at some church, if you're part of a church, I've been coming, I've been hearing, man, I love this church, I love the, I love yeah. the word, and you're not involved in the fight in any way, you're not a part of that church. In some ways, yeah. Like you're just in consuming. Ways, you're yeah. just consuming off the top of it. Now, if you're coming into a church context because you've come out of a hard one or a difficult one, and you need some healing and just some space before you dive in, I want to affirm that and honor right. that. Right. Uh, I was doing our. We have a Discover Fellowship class, uh, which is just the gateway to community here at Fellowship. Right. Just if you're new, but right. I was doing it with Matt Schuneman, one of our counselors, and I was going off on getting the fight. You need to be serving. Right, like, right, what's right. wrong with you? Right. And Matt should have been gentle, sweet, just like wise Matt was like, man, I totally agree with that, R.D. He said it like during with right, the sure, in the room. Sure. He said, but, you know, just also, if you're coming here from a harder place. Also. And I was like, yeah, that's a good word there. That That's helpful. Uh, he was like, I totally agree with you, but also no. Right. You can take a few weeks and just breathe. Right, <laughs> um, right. But you can't take a few years. Right, sure. You know, you can't, you can't do it. There's a way in which God says you are now interdependent upon your brother and sister at this church. Right. And you can't just skim off the top. Right. Uh, and then complain about the way things are. Uh, so I think I've given enough caveats so that, you know, you don't have to. Sure. But by and large, yep. there are far fewer exceptions to serving than we think there are yes. if you actually read the New Testament of what it means to be a member and a part of a, of a local church. Exactly, yeah. I'll say it this way. Serving the kingdom is so much more than just serving at your local church. Yeah, agree. But it's That's never helpful. less than that. Yep. It's never less than that. Um, even the person who is... That's so helpful. I'm on full-time staff at Young Life, and I'm doing all these things, who never serves anywhere in their church is making an error. Yes. And I'll also go so far as to say there are some, some yep. people who have had hard times at other churches that the only way you, God is going to move you past that is to start serving in a church because you need to get that. You need to get back on the horse yep. in some ways. Yep. And there's people who tie themselves off from the healing they want. Yeah, you know, so right. as many people. Uh, yeah, I'll say it. we just did an episode on hot takes and we're such hypocrites, but um, <laughs> No, we are hypocrites. That's true. Uh, as many people as there are who are actually hurt by churches, there are people who are using 
being hurt by a church is a license for their sin. Because I've literally had people go, I was so hurt by the church. And I would say, well, what do you mean? And then it was they were in sexual sin and their pastor said, you have to stop. So they left the church and go, they really hurt me. And I'm like, did you what did you think was going to happen? You know, like we have to hold up the Bible. We have to hold up with Jesus. Yeah, Calling for people to be obedient to Jesus is not harmful. Right. You're going to say, well, Jesus, you know, loved the woman caught in adultery. He did. He told her to stop sinning. He did. So, yes. He did. Yeah. So, Mm. okay, let's move on from the body for a second and talk about the pastors. Agreed. Okay. Because they're like, can we get a mic for 45 minutes? (laughs) No. (laughs) No, and you never will. (laughs) Um, A lot of of the the emergence and um, a lot of the deconstructionist Christians now, the ex-evangelicals, are pointing out a professional pastorate and saying, this is the problem. This is part of the problem. And you'll get people to say, well, the Bible says that the pastors can't take money. That is not what that passage says. I mean, I get you're all going to read, listen to this and go, well, you are professional pastors. You can't talk about this, which is part of the totally ridiculous mantra we're making of you can't speak into another group or about a group or if you are the group, you can't, whatever. It's ridiculous. Um <laughs> Paul doesn't say they couldn't receive pay. He said, I didn't. Yeah. The assumption was they could. He chose not he to. He chose not to. Yes. That's what the verse says. Yeah. But uh, there is absolute truth to the church went wrong as the church leadership was removed from accountability. Right? Mm-hmm. When you talk about church polity, you're talking about how your church is run. And it is, I want to say universal. It's universal in my mind. The people who are really, truly hurt from churches came from places where one person was in charge and had no accountability. Mm-hmm. It's, it is universal. The Bible always calls us to communality, right? So how is fellowships church polity set up? We have a, a board of elders chosen from the congregation um, that are the authorities of the church. Our senior pastor, our lead pastor, as he calls himself, Rick Dunn is the only staff person who is also an elder. He's one of, I think there's 12 right now. Um, He's one of the 12 and they meet together. And some of us, some of the staff will go to the elder board from time to time. There are staff members who are permanent attenders, even though they're not elders like me. And that's how fellowships run. So that the lead pastor is always in accountability to the elders who are totally accessible to the congregation. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say that every church that has one pastor who's in charge of everything is a disaster. That's not true, but they can get to be disasters faster, I yes. guess is what I'd say. Yes, they can. And they, I mean, cause I mean, Proverbs talks about having a plurality of voices of friends, uh, you know, is a impediment to sin. It, it allows you, uh, to have more, uh, you know, safeguards in place, people that can actually speak into your real life, which right. is, Right. Particularly true for those in spiritual leadership of whom uh, there is a higher degree of judgment. You yeah. know, those who are teaching, uh, there is. And because of the way in which spiritual manipulation can work, mm-hmm. because you're talking about the deepest level. Right, right. You're talking about some of the greatest things like heaven and hell and, and destiny and identity. Right. So, of course, churches can use that in a way from subtle to explicit right. to... Uh, shape people in ways that are so not in line with who Jesus is. Yeah. And I think that is, you know, at uh, fellowship, 
of course we're not perfect and no, there are ways in which no, no. it's like oh that was totally sideways yeah remember i'm on the staff yeah this of course. is a bad and that tells you how bad it that's is. right and so if greg if greg is there there's hope for us all <laughs> well it shows you how fallen the structure it, it, is <laughs> he can be a part of it but we have these built in where rick would be the first to say i, I want a strong elder board. I don't just want yes men, and, right. they're, and they're not. I don't just right. want yes staff. I, you know, and I speak for myself. I don't just, you know, hire people on my team that are like, oh, because RD is X, Y, or Z, then it's a green light. No, tell me what you really think. Give right. me your feedback on this idea and right. on me personally. Yeah, it's not always amazing. It's not always fantastic. It's not always like, thank you so much for that amazing feedback. Right. You know, <laughs> let me get the huge tree trunk out of your eye before we move on. Right. Like exactly. That, you know, but. How much better is it when in the company of friends you can hear the truth? Yeah. Because then yeah. you actually grow. In the church, pastoral leadership, elders should be the models of that to say there's many of us, there's many voices. Right. We have one center of belief, of course. Right. Uh, but we have different ways that sometimes it's expressed. Sure. And uh, Rick is not the king. Uh, and no pastor is is here. Right. And the so it minimizes the potential for fallout. It doesn't right. eliminate it. It doesn't erase it completely. No. But it minimizes with healthy checks and balances. And that's how the New Testament church was set up with a plurality of leaders, of deacons, and of elders, and of, right. and of people with different types of gifts. That's why yeah. no one has all the yeah. gifts, so that no one is a superhero. Right. We all have different gifts. We all are a body part. The toe, the eye, the nose equally important in the kingdom of yeah. God and the church. Well, and Jesus didn't call one apostle. He called 12. Yeah. And now the 12, he called three yeah. to be his closest companions. He didn't call one. Um, when people say Peter was really the leader, that's not really true. If you really understand it, like yeah. Peter was seen as very important and very influential because he was old, probably the oldest apostle. Their society valued age, yeah. not youth. Yeah. But, you know, James uh, is the leader of the Jerusalem church. Yes, That's pretty influential. Significant. Um, you know, John was the, the one that Jesus loved, apparently, yeah. you know, because he's probably the youngest. Yeah. Um, John likes to point that out in the yeah. apostle in the book of John. He talks about how he outran Peter. He does. Because is so classic. It's so man. It's so guy. It's <laughs> so guy. Hey, uh, Peter, I know you're you're probably dead by now, but. Peter's probably dead when John wrote John. He's like, Peter's in heaven. He's got to watch this. I totally outran him. He's old and slow. And the Holy Spirit was like, yeah, keep that in. The Holy Spirit. <laughs> Actually, that's good. I like that. The Holy Spirit's like, burn. <laughs> Honestly, we're going to lose these part of the manuscripts, not this part. Not this one. This, this one's one staying on. It. Guaranteed. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Here comes the closing of the trap, right? Always. That community, Jesus called 12. He called three, right? We're meant to be in this community. And... That's not just in leadership. That's you. Because if you were listening to this and as I was talking about, there's one person off by themselves and you're going and they're running the church and it becomes toxic and you're going, yes, yes. Yeah, that's you, too. If you're off by yourself, yeah. uh, you become the twisted spiritual authority of your own life without mm -hmm. a community of people around you. And that's true of all of us. You know, churches are not perfect, but neither are people. Um, and they manifest themselves in different ways. And if we're going to ask for forgiveness, we have to extend forgiveness. As Jesus said, you know, forgive others as I have forgiven you. Yes. 
you know, I said it in my message. I, I, I think I tweet this every Monday, Thursday. You know, Jesus knew everything that was going to happen, particularly in the relational dynamics with men he'd walk with for three years, and right. he still washes their feet. Yeah. It says he loves them until the very end. Yeah. He loves wow. them all the way through, and he knows them in ways that you and I, even the people we know the most, we don't know exactly what they will do in the future. Yeah. So there's an assumption it's going to be probably pretty good. May not be. Uh, but Jesus knows it all, and in comparison to who he is, mm-hmm. it's not that great, mm-hmm. and he still says, e- even Jesus himself uh, doesn't do it on his own. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what does that tell you? And he's not a rugged individualist. Right. I mean, he's not. He's not. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. Uh, yeah. Now, he's not codependent, of course, right. and we're not talking about codependency because that's not healthy. I mean, that's every middle school relationship. We all know it. It's right. all true. Because it can become easy to do that. You sure. either have the extremes of sure. I'm a lone ranger, you know, kind of the rogue right. Texas ranger, your people, Greg. That's right. Uh, that's <laughs> God's like, way. Actually, that's okay. That's God's lone way. Lone ranger's okay. That's, that's God's uh, way. Or you have codependent communities right. uh, that you can't have healthy individualization. Not, you know, totally that's not, you cannot yeah. have that. You've got to have differentiation from your from your parents. Yeah. You've got to have that. That's right. a healthy development. Right. But also to still submit to your parents. Yeah, so, community can be as toxic as exactly. So yeah. we want to make sure that we also say having healthy community. That's why it's community around the gospel. Yeah, exactly. It's not just community for the sake of community. It's right. not just gathering in circles to talk about our feelings. Right. That's not healthy, actually. Yeah. You know, authenticity, vulnerability are totally good. I'm glad there's been a recovery and a renaissance of that, but only to the degree they grow you in the Christ likeness. Yeah only to the degree that your vulnerability is genuine vulnerability and not actually manipulation over other people, which is can happen oftentimes. Right. Uh, I'm going to share this with you because I really want this leg up on you or I want to drop this in you to make the power dynamics change. Mm-hmm. And church can be a, a place um, for people who are not, who are predatory. Yes. Not just necessarily like a predator, but who are predatory in how sure. they view relationships. Sure, sure. And so you want to be careful around uh, that. So which is why you got to say, hey, in our, like in our our community, what we want to grow in as new family and something that we're working on is saying, hey, what when we say new family, what does that look like and what does it mean? And how do we do yeah. group life together? Yeah. And how do we do life together? And how does should should your should your nuclear family look in some of these similar ways? We right. don't want to discount that. That's also means that God has used, and so the church is filled right. with broken bent people but it also is the community that jesus gave up his life for yeah he washed her he sanctified her he's made her lovely and he loves his bride he loves her and he will love her to the end mm-hmm. and so we should love her as well and find ways to love her and how we serve her and cherish her uh, and be the people of god's own possession mm-hmm. even in a time in which it can feel like you're just throwing darts at the church mm-hmm. take the higher road and say, God loves the church. Um, and so how can I love my local church yeah, exactly. and be a part of that community? Because that's what's really helping me become more like Jesus. Amen to that. You know, we, we've worked pretty hard, I think, to try to show that both sides can be really toxic. And yep. When Jesus is calling these guys, he's calling them to a mission, right? These guys don't work together. Some of them do. Some of them were fishermen. Some of them definitely don't. Some of them were tax collectors. Some of them were terrorists. Um, And I mean that word literally. And it's exactly what Artie is saying. And if you've come of age or or, um, as as an adult in the last, I don't know, 20 years, 
community has been one of the central words of Christianity. And it was one of the words that was intrinsic to the emergent movement, which we've talked about before. And everything began to be judged through the lens of community. It's more so now. But when it was starting, it was clear we're going to shift away from programs to community. Right. So you used to hear about it. We've got a program for that. We've got a program for that. But now it's community. And I remember John Piper that, you know, is he canceled yet? Can I say that? Okay. Go. Uh, Go and I remember John Piper in like, oh gosh, oh three, something like that, saying community is about to become the new false god. Yeah. And people, of course, went ballistic. And then we watched what happened at a lot of churches that stressed community above everything. Yeah. And the, how they allowed toxic leaders because they needed community. Yeah. If you're saying to your church, everything's about community. And so then you, you need leaders and then you approve leaders that shouldn't be leading anything. Yeah. And it becomes, so it becomes a vicious cycle. And one of the things John Piper mm. said is mm. mission should make community. Yeah. And what he meant by that was you should be engaging the church, building the kingdom of God. And as you do that, God will put in your heart places to serve. And then that will begin to reveal people to you who yeah. become your community. Yeah. And I thought, man, there's a lot of wisdom there. Yeah. I'm not saying that you didn't make a small group with your high school friends and you're messed up. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but I am saying you're lacking something if you're not also finding the community that your mission that God has placed you on is calling you forward. Yes, and that the community that you surround yourself with should at least in some level uh, look different from you. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, is the gospel really pressing on your heart? Yeah. Uh, if it's only people just like you, and, and there are different layers to, to sure. that. Not everyone has to be your best friend in a community. Not right. everyone. You don't have to right. disclose everything to everybody. That's right. not worth saying. But if everyone is is just like you. Then and the table that you invite people into, which we should be doing, is just like you and not not pushing and pressing you. Then the gospel needs to go even deeper. Right. And right. the work of the church is to model a community of people that are are to some level uh, were former enemies. Yeah. And they're now not just friends but family. Yes. And that is an an apologetic of the gospel, yeah. how we live and love each other for the sake of God's glory on mission to make disciples, loving one another deeply. Uh, Paul, uh, you know, says uh, in First Thessalonians 2, 8, you know, we were so desirous of you, so affectionately desirous of you. We shared, just were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very selves, our yeah. very hearts, that they go together that there's some separation there, but the gospel is not just an announcement far away that has no connection to your life. As you are being changed by the power of the gospel, you're doing it with other people, real life in the body of Christ being built up brick right. by brick into this house that God is making to show the world the, his glory through the church yes, uh, forever and ever and ever. And that is just an amazing reality when we step into a service on a Sunday to say we're, we're singing in light of what people have sung for thousands of years and will be doing for thousands yeah. of years. So let's steward that well and not just consume and listen, but also be doers of the word Amen. with how we do it with each 
each other. Amen to that. Well, thanks for joining us uh, this week on Offstage. We hope it's not the last one that you go look for another church because this one hurts you with this podcast. Uh, but we are glad you joined us yes. and we hope uh, you'll check us out next time Offstage. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Offstage. We want to thank the awesome communications team at Fellowship Church for making this happen. Alex Defenderfer, Laura Benner, Sam Scott, great jobs always. It makes it possible for you to hear and for us to do this. If you have any questions or topic ideas you'd like to hear, please email us at offstage, all one word, offstage at fellowshipnox.org.